Welcome to Restored Gospel Podcast. Hello and welcome back to part two. We are three friends having casual conversation about the things of eternity. We welcome you back into that conversation. I am Mike Barrett, and I'm here with Corey Stark and Caleb Baumgart. The California boy <laughs> from the high desert. Yes, sir. We are here for part two of our uh, dialogue on eternal life and wherever else this takes us today. So thank you for joining us. Uh, thanks for having me. Hey, Kale, let me ask you a question because this, this was another underlying kind of uh, underlying theme throughout all eternal life. What do you think? Can you remain in a state of I don't want to say completely white, but kind of a dingy gray garment, kind of in the middle where you weren't righteous, but you weren't a son of perdition. What do you think about that, remaining in that state for eternity? <laughs> well, the only, <laughs> the first thing that popped in my head was, you know, um, where, and I'm going to horribly misquote this. So it's going to be something to the effect of where Jesus says, you know, you're going to be, you know, red hot for me, or I'm going to, if you're lukewarm, I'm going to spew you from my mouth. Mm -hmm. And if you're in that dingy gray, I, I feel like that's kind of where you're hitting that right. lukewarmness. And it's like, you know, you, you didn't serve me right. to where I asked you to. That's and, exactly one of them I thought of in that I don't see where the scriptures are set up where man can be halfway. Cause it also talks about light and truth. And if, more light and truth is given to those who accept it or those that aren't accepting it is taken away. So it seems like you're, you're being propelled either towards one end or the other. Right. Of the you're extreme. either moving towards God or you're moving away from mm -hmm. God. And, you know, I think it's important to probably mention that, you know, what, what does that look like? You know, cause I can't openly admit that I have spent every waking hour of my life working towards God. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just not there. And so, you know, at some point I had a, you know, an awakening of, I really, this is the direction I want to go and this is what I believe in. And, you know, whether the action that I did was sinful or not, or good or bad outcome is like, what was my intent for doing that? Mm -hmm. And, and was the intent moving towards God or was it moving away from God? And, and it's on a basic level, it's, it's a little more easy to, in my opinion, see of whether I am working towards God or away from God. It's just, what was my intent? Did mm -hmm. I intend, did I have a loving spirit when I approached this person or when I had this argument with somebody or when I did this, you know, thing? And, you know, was I looking to find truth out of this situation or was I looking to blame someone? And was I, you know, what, what was the spirit of it that I was going at? And then, when I do some self-examination, you know, I have to correct myself sometimes and say, I was in the wrong here. I shouldn't mm. have been looking for that because this was not the right spirit to have. Mm. Yeah. That's who am I? Not what did I do? Right. But who am and I? And that right. comes yeah. back to the whole issue of sin and everything. It's yeah. who, who, who I am. am I? You know, it, I was just doing a little scripture search while you guys were visiting and just the word unclean appears. I found uh, over 180 instances and the word clean is, appears over 400 times, uh, clean and unclean. You know, it's interesting because when you look at these parallels, like we use the term now, um, there's never any middle clean. It's like you were either <laughs> unclean or you were clean. And if you were unclean, you were unclean 
for either a time until you're specifically cleansed by after a certain phys- number of precise days, or you had done some certain washing. And I'm talking Old Testament things. But the whole... Th- the whole thing, there was never a middle description of, well, you're partly clean, you know, the left side's clean, but the right side isn't, you know, whatever. You were either unclean or clean because of this idea it was trying to put forth that we are either washed fully clean by our Savior's atonement or we're not, you know. And in the end, he wants to cleanse as many people as he can who will come to him. That's why I think the scriptures are so beautifully written in the in the restored gospel that, you know, there is a chance for those who, who die in their ignorance. There really is. Um, unlike that's probably the one of the big differences between the, the doctrine that's been kind of spread throughout the Gentile world through the ages is that, well, God is, is unmerciful to anyone unless they came in. That's why I think, you know, some faiths baptize children at two days old because they think we got to do this checklist thing, and it's all just about making sure the checklist is done never examining the heart. And this is why I think the Book of Mormon is so beautiful in that it gives the proper light, proper responsibility on us that our heart has to change. And then if, if it's changed, we come forth in baptism. Why would we not? Um, and you so have that personal relationship. It's the relationship in the end. Yeah. Well, Caleb, um, since you're here for California, just for a brief period of time, like I said, Corey and I, we just get together and talk about whatever's on our mind. Any, any, any things, thoughts you've been having out there in the high desert where there's no one around to rub shoulders with and bounce them off of that you just want to kind of talk about or hang out with? Or? Well, the the only thing I can think of at the moment is something that kind of hit me this morning, and I've just kind of been thinking about it and turning it in the back of my mind is, you know, uh, how, how to be vulnerable. And we kind of touched on this at the beginning of the podcast, and and I'm kind of coming to an understanding of it is – more and more important to be vulnerable and that when we are vulnerable, we are opening ourselves up. We're getting out of our comfort zone and what we know and what we expect, which is never an easy thing to do, and and creating an opportunity for God to work through us and, and show his strength. And if we can do that, if we can get out of our own way and let God work through us, it I believe that's where we see a lot of um, really great miracles work, and we get to witness them um, if we are um, willing to get out of our own way and and be a part of that whole experience and have some truly great testimonies that that can come of that later. And I guess right now, just what I've been thinking about is, you know, where am I closed in my life and, and where... Do I, I seek shelter and where should I open up more and, and when is a good time to be vulnerable and is there any bad time to be vulnerable? Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I've just been kind of chewing through all of that. I told Corey one time we were, I was at a men's meeting <laughs> um, and uh, <laughs> it was, uh, I actually was a priesthood meeting and I said something to the fact of, you know, this is just not working for me anymore and I think we just need to be vulnerable and, and, uh, open up to one another. And anyway, I, I made a little speech and it was just where I was at. And and to be honest, I had been reading some uh, Brene Brown books and listening to her YouTube videos. She does this whole Ted talk on vulnerability and a friend had shown it to me. So I guess you assume like when you're focusing on all of this stuff, like everybody else in the world is too, you know, but, yeah. but having just walked into the room and I, and I probably jumped the gun a little bit, you know, and I made this big speech and it was just like, 
<laughs> <Real> silent, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It was just silent, and uh, and one guy says, or something to the effect of, "So, are you not coming to church anymore?" And I'm like, "No, that's <laughs> no, not, no. That's not, not what, what I'm going after." Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, but uh, that's part of being part of being vulnerable. Like Corey said the other, the other the other day was like, you know, if you rush into a something, rush into a conversation with somebody and get too vulnerable too quick, it gets almost creepy. It, just, mm-hmm. it, it does yeah. because you're really laying yourself out there. Right. And, right. and when you, you know, you're that open, you can be very much attacked and offended and, and hurt. And yeah. that's never easy to come through that kind of stuff because then you can feel betrayed and there's all kinds of emotions mm-hmm. that start hitting into it. And, um, you know, so, so taking a, something all emotional is never a good thing either, but neither is all logical. So you got to yeah. find a balance there. And yeah, yeah, so, I wonder how it is, how there's this description of Jesus. And you think, you know, unfortunately, I think our, our movies, even though I don't know, they, I guess they did the passion of Christ, but you know, in the, when we were all young, they had all these movies about Jesus and the old Testament and new Testament stuff. But it was always like, Jesus seemed to be like a little bit aloof and there was always a halo over his head and he was kind of like looking up and talking and his voice echoed every time he talked, you know, movies made it seem like that. To me, in my mind, I think that's how Jesus was, but there's this little snippet in the new Testament where the disciples are together and Jesus there. And it refers to John. It said the one who was like, it says, I think is a laying on his breast or it's like, you know, you hear, hear you picture someone so comfortable that it just sounds like he's just leaning right up on Jesus's shoulder, just resting like they're buddies, but they're, they're, they're in a good way. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, and it's like how open and vulnerable must they have been able to be with each other that they felt that comfortable, just even that close, you know, men that close to each other, that that's the description that the apostle gives. He was laying right on Jesus's shoulder, you know? Yeah. You know? Well, so being vulnerable <clears throat> involves um, relationship right with uh with people and not just casual relationship but you have to build you have to build something along the way but what what's another word for being vulnerable sometimes if we cuz we all probably hear that word vulnerability and even in this room the three of us kind of got a negative connotation right. to it yeah. or a completely different picture of what that what does that mean what what's another way what to other say words, being vulnerable so i think sometimes maybe transparent could be or honest or mm-hmm. open open yeah. yeah just you know what you're really doing is um is also right um, overcoming some fear yeah which is related to pride cuz what what are you doing you're saying my pride of looking stupid or being rejected or um, not being included in the club anymore, I'm going to set that aside for the sake of a deeper relationship. You know, one more intimate relationship, which may then be beneficial to, to both of us. Something recent, I don't know if I shared this in a previous episode, but I was in a gathering of some people worshiping and a man stood and shared his testimony and it wasn't, this wasn't the testimony he was sharing specifically. He was actually sharing about his son who was going through some life problems. But this man in the process said, and you know, he said, I struggled for years with my pornography addiction. And he goes, he goes on to talk for a little bit. And it's in a way where I, th- I thought, I couldn't believe how open he was. He wasn't even staring at the ground and everything. And he said, and the reason I can talk about this so openly is because my shame of my sin was nailed to the cross with my Savior. And he talks about this in such a way that, I'm sharing this because of vulnerability, not just vulnerability that we 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 open up about something that we feel uncomfortable talking about, but the more the vulnerability of 
we face the reality of who we are because of our sinful state. And that's the vulnerability. You know, that's what it means, I think, ultimately to be vulnerable, to realize I'm nothing without my Savior. There's nothing about me that is good or, or something that I can boast of or have pride in. Um, it's okay to be open and honest about our state because we have the one who's got the solution. We've got the one, we worship the one who's who's got the resolution of this, you know. And that's, that's why it's kind of like, so what have I got to lose about talking about who I am really? I don't. Yeah. Did you listen to Zoe's podcast by chance? Zoe Bluegard, who was a Stories of the Saints one. Yeah, I, I don't remember. Maybe. Maybe this little twenty-year-old girl. I mean, she twenty-one. Maybe she gave the best advice to me, and and uh, you know, I said something like, "So how do you, you know, how do you become vulnerable or or to other people or what did she say? She said, um, or how do you find people that are willing to do that? She goes, you just be the type of person that you want to be around. She goes, and people are going to come to you like that. So she was like saying, I am who I am and I'm going to be this way. And, and in so doing, she's had other people that that's important to kind of flock to her. And so there's probably, you know, when you start being vulnerable with your friends, like Corey and I have been able to kind of do that, but the people that aren't going to want that aren't going to want to be around, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's very true. Um, what's the benefits of vulnerability? Do you think like what, what's the benefits of becoming vulnerable with just say another guy, another, a good friend, a, a, a close friend, what's the benefits? Well, I think you gain knowledge and understanding of that person, right? You can understand why they've started making decisions that the way they did. Um, cause you can understand a little bit more about, about their life experiences and, and how they've leaned one way or another. So I think a stronger relationship between people is one thing that you can get from that. Mm. And that's the same thing that you can get with God as well. You know, just open yourself up. It's a lot easier to be open with God, right? Because, you know, you just, you can go into your room, close the door, get on your knees and start praying and, and you can be completely open to him. And it's, you know, sometimes it can really feel one-sided, but yeah. you know that he hears you and it's just, you know. I haven't done that in no, a while. <laughs> have you done that in a while? Mm, I haven't. I just, that's a, that's a, I want to do that. I want to do that very soon. I haven't really just poured my heart out and opened myself up because that's, you go into some areas in your own life, even when it is just you and God that right. you may yeah. not want to visit very often, or you just kind of set aside and like, I know that's there, but I'm going to For sure. It. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, mm. Hey, I'm doing this. I don't know if it's right or wrong, but you know, what do you, what do you want me to do about this? And yeah. I didn't know how to respond to this situation and I got into this and what should I do? And yeah. just, just yeah. everything, just, you can talk. I love that. You know, I just love that freshness you bring to that, Caleb. And, the, and, you know, just painting the picture that, you know, be totally open with God. I, I heard someone say, I think it was a math teacher. I can't remember why he shared it, but he said, there's two people you don't lie to. And then he said, no, three. He said, you don't ever lie to your doctor and you don't lie to your lawyer. And then he said, and try not to lie to God, but don't ever do lie to your doctor and don't <laughs> lie to your lawyer. You know, but but the whole thing is, you're right. It's like, you know, why? But we do. I'm why? And what is that about us? And how do you think God even responds to that? In thinking, oh, here's little Corey again, thinking he can hide this <laughs> thing. hide this thing from me, even though I see everything. Yeah, yeah, you know, if the goal for us is to love one another like Jesus loved us, and and the way we measure where we're at in life is, am I able to love more today? You know, am I loving people more? Is my heart changing in that way? I think the vulnerability 
allows us to love people a little bit more when we take time because you see where they're where they're coming from and it's like understanding okay so you reacted to me that way not because you really hate me or you're angry with me but it's because in your life you had someone do this to you you know i see why you acted that way Mm -hmm. and so now it's no longer a problem it's like okay i get it now kind of remove that veil of misunderstanding between communications yeah, or even uh, I believe the devil loves to keep us as an island. And so when I walk around all day thinking, man, I'm the only one that struggles with this, or, man, I am the deepest, worst sinner in the whole world. And then I don't know if you've ever done this, but like when someone else like confesses to you that they're struggling with something and it's the same thing you're struggling with, it's like this, I don't know if there's, it's just like this relief. It's like, oh, I'm not the worst person in the world. I'm not the only one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But that has so much benefit. And that's what the devil, that's why when the Lord says, confess your sins one to another, I believe because it takes a certain amount of ammunition that the devil uses away. Mm. Right. It just takes it away from him, that weapon. So I'm going to put a plug in here for a a book and video series. I'm not getting paid for anything. (laughs) But, uh, um, we did a Bible study on a book called The Bait of Satan. Mm. And this just it's came by up. John Bevere. Oh, that sounds and like an intriguing title. It is. It is an amazing series, and it's all about offense. And that is what he calls the bait of Satan, is um, um, getting offended when we either misunderstand something or when somebody says something to us and we take it offensively. It, it does just the opposite of what we've been talking about here and, and trying to be honest and open about it. And it, it closes down, you know, we put up walls and, and we hide behind them and kind of put ourselves on an island like you were talking mm-hmm. about. And we, we just separate ourselves. And I don't think that's what God wants. And I think it is exactly what the devil wants. And so he has this whole series about talking about, you know, how as humans, we get offended very easily and that is not the way we should be operating. And he, he goes through several examples, and I'm not going to do the series justice by any means, so definitely go out and, and listen to it. He's got a video series that goes with the book, but it, it talks about you know several um, examples of people who were offended, and they had no right to be offended, right? It was like, oh, you just had a misunderstanding, and I'm very offended that you did this to me, but it was really just a misunderstanding, and you really didn't do that to me. And then he's like, you know, that that's its own thing in a box. But I really want to talk about the people who have every right to be offended and didn't take it offensively. Mm. And he brings up Job and oh. and how Job mm. had all of this stuff done, you know, to him by the devil and how he didn't turn from God and he didn't get offended and he remained open and, and faithful and how hard that must have been and, and how good of an example that is for the rest of us to follow. Mm. And it was a really great series. Anybody who hasn't read that, that came up in class last week. And uh, actually, it might have been your mom. Did you share that with your <laughs> I mom? Did. I did. Okay. I passed that on to her. So I'll put a link in our show notes for this episode because I did. I looked it up in the middle of class. So I know I can find it. We'll put a link for the book. And do you think the videos are they on like YouTube or so something I, you have to purchase? So when I ordered or? it, it was it was a package set. I got the book with the DVDs off of Amazon. Okay. So yeah. Yeah. Mm. All right, I'll put a link. I, I wrote that down. That sounds but really good. That's something that, um, boy, that's applicable for priesthood members, for women's groups, for anybody that's yeah. in 
anybody. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just say for, especially in the church. It was one thing that they kind of brought up in RCA as well is, you know, people get offended very easily. And if you have an offense with somebody, you need to go to that person and talk with them and say, you know, you may not have meant it this way, but I took that very offensively and here's why. And, and work with that person to straighten that kind of thing out because most of the time, I guess what we see happens is, you know, this person gets offended and they go tell their friends about it and they got to get people on their side. And yeah, I was wrongly accused and you should be on my side. And then the other person gets all offended because Mm -hmm. this person's, you know, collecting a group of people to go attack them. So they start collecting their own people and then it works their way up the chain, you know, either to a pastor in the church or, you know, if they're in a work type situation, it works up to the bosses and, you know, um, it's not how we should be handling things. You know, we, we should be open enough with each other that I should be able to go to anybody and say, you know, I don't know whether you meant it this way or not, but you really offended me when you said something like this to me. And, you know, I kind of want to work through this because I don't want this, you know, uh, anger and, and um, harsh feelings that I have right now to persist and, and just kind of work that all out. And the pastor at RCA right now is really pushing, you know, work this at the lowest levels. And sometimes you can't, but, you know, if you can work this out at the lowest level possible, you know, it's, it's so much faster, it's so much easier. And who knows where we can be if we can start just being open with each other and, and what blessings God can pour out to us if we can do that. Mm. And it changes a relationship. It, it, it does. It's interesting. Yesterday morning, Corey and I, a while back, it had, Actually, I think it came out just this past week on the episode. I had said something on Facebook that offended a brother. And when I say a brother, I think I met this person one time face-to-face, but uh, we know of each other in circles, and and we dialogued on the Internet, which is a whole new type of vulnerability and a whole new type of relationship that I wasn't around when the Scriptures were written, obviously, but it's a whole new... uh, set of circumstances to be addressed in, in protocols on how we treat each other. But anyway, I had offended him and words were back and forth and, um, felt really bad. And, um, I wrote him a private message and, and, and over a course of time we agreed to meet together. So yesterday morning we got together and had breakfast early. What a wonderful what a wonderful set of circumstances that was. I didn't even get from my car to the, restaurant before we were hugging in the parking lot and we walked in together sat down and when you're talking about vulnerability i saw right away i apologize i said before we go too far in conversation i i just want to own up for what i did and i said i used an old set of uh laws that we read in the scriptures where it says if someone does something publicly then you address them publicly and i thought well I guess I was thinking that in my mind, you wrote something publicly. And so I addressed it publicly on, I said, but maybe, maybe that's not social media is not exactly public because we're all on our own. Anyway, I said, I've reconsidered how to handle this. And in the future, I think I would reach out to you, but I said, but I had no ill intent and I, and I respect you. That's why I, I did it anyway, without going too much into it. It was a wonderful, it was a wonderful time together. And he then shared with me, some hurts that he'd had in the past that caused him to react the way he did or to assume that I was doing something that I wasn't. And in understanding who each of us was, it just broke down any barrier. Not only did it break it down, 
I think it gave probably a greater, deeper relationship. And we sat around and talked for hour and a half or something, just about the gospel and everything. And when we left there, I felt like I had a brother. Mm. Yeah, that's and, great. And, and now when I think about it, I'm like, I can't wait to see this guy again. I really enjoyed my time with him. You know, I got to just jump in on that because this is something that you, you just spoke to something that I've thought about that I haven't really articulated. Just the fact that what has the internet and social media done to us? Because it'll amplify contention and then we'll go our ways. But, you know, the things people would say to each other on the internet, even to strangers, you would never do it in a person or even a stranger on the street. You know, you wouldn't just go running up to him and shout, I hate who you voted for. You know, I mean, <laughs> well, maybe some people do, but, but, but the, but to the opposite, the, the need for our souls to be vulnerable in a good way, like you just expressed when you're in person, those things don't happen either mm. in a way where the healing occurs, but, but what a beautiful thing once you did get together and when you face to face, you dialogue in a way that you never could have before because you share the empathy and the passion and the, and the barriers are broken down. And, you know, one of the things I heard recently, they were interviewing one of the men who was, was not Al Gore. He, this was actually one of the original creators of the internet, man <laughs> in his mid eighties. And they were saying on, in your perspective of time now, you know, he, he was one of the original people to get two computers to connect so what what's your thoughts on where the internet is versus where you first envisioned it? And he said, well, two main things. One, this goes back to something we were visiting about Caleb. He said, unfortunately, he well, he said the first thing is we always thought it would be for a co way for computers to talk to each other. We never saw how it was going to enable people to talk to each other through the computers. You know, that was mm -hmm. different. It was just all computers exchanging databases versus now people are talking to people around the world, strangers through social media. But he said, but that has created another problem. He said, now the world has become polarized in that it's the loud voices of the extremes that get the most attention. And he said, unfortunately, they don't ever speak for the majority of the people, but you only hear the people who express Go the streams, extremes, right? Yeah. And, and so there's a lot of people like us who sometimes sit in frustration because it's like neither of those extremes express our views or our feelings on things, you know, or they don't answer our I questions. I can't agree wholeheartedly with either side of this conversation and right. where, where do I fit then? Exactly. And so this, the internet, the idea of the internet has created this unfortunate atmosphere that has enveloped most of the, the modern world now in that that's how we communicate, that the the voice of moderation rarely gets heard. It doesn't get the attention it should. And so just back to you, Mike, I just wanted to say, it's just beautiful that you took that step to reach out to someone who you didn't even really know. I mean, on a, on a personal level, but you thought, no, wait, let's not let computers and keyboards be the thing in between us. Let's sit face to face, cross table. Let's be two humans, you know, two people created in God's image. And, and let's let the work of the spirit do its work. And what a beautiful thing. Yeah. What do you guys think about books like uh, The Bait of Satan or Satan's Bait? It is uh, The Bait of Satan. I think a lot of times we think we have to be studying, uh, you know, the actual scripture or uh, books related to the scripture. But within the church, I think books like that that, that speak to human um, psyche, the way we act, uh, why we do what we do, who we are, our personalities are just so important in, um, in our relationships with each other, and it goes a long way. I mean, this book sounds like it could just, I mean, almost be almost needs to be like a user's manual for anybody that wants to be a member of a church because how many um, terrible uh, problems in our churches happen because of 
the people backbiting being offended. and yeah. jealous yeah. and and yeah and that starts by being offended all of that that's that's fascinating i'm i'm yeah and i got another thing to add to the list Corey. another <laughs> book to read mm-hmm. what do you guess out there go ahead i was just gonna say well you asked that question what do you think i'm all for it because you know the difference is uh, the books like the the bait of satan and, and books like that end up taking scriptures and putting them in a way where you can apply it to your life and think, okay, this is how I'm going to respond in this right. situation, or this is how I can recognize a situation. And and sometimes we get that same idea through scripture, but sometimes we don't either. And I love the life application that comes through any books like that, you know, that gives us an idea. Of, this is what Here's the how I says. can directly apply this to everything I'm doing. Exactly. Oh, exactly. Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And not always the easiest to apply. Exactly. Exactly. How do you guys feel about, um, conversations sitting next to each other, looking each other in the eyes as opposed to behind a screen. I, and I said this to my friend yesterday morning as we met, I said, I love the art of conversation. I love conversation. There's, you give me any Friday night where I have a free schedule and someone says, Hey, what would, what do you want to do Friday night? Would you want to go see a movie? You want to go shoot a gun? You want to go ride four wheelers? What would you want to do? I would say, give me a fire and give me a couple of <laughs> good friends that just love to discuss the things of eternity and things that I love to discuss mm. and give me six hours of just <laughs> sitting around with a good beverage and just listening to the sounds of the fire and talking. Is there, I mean, there's nothing better to me. I love people and just, they're so unique and we're such funny little weird creatures. <laughs> I mean, the way we, <laughs> yeah, we are, we all act differently. We, we yeah. act and, and, you, and you, know, you I, think about that though, through since the beginning of time, you think that little description of a few people sitting around a fire and talking has not changed given our technology and everything that we have now. The the draw that that brings us to I, thousands just, of years. Yeah, exactly. And and how that is a, a timeless. I don't even know what the word is, but it, it's it's just an, an element of exchange, right? Your thoughts and your minds right. just kind of meld together. It's one of the greatest things about going camping is just getting to sit around the fire and just talk with people and you know with no distractions. Yeah, yeah. share their stories and have a good time. Yeah. There's something about this time of year when it starts getting dark around 5:30 or 6 that I love because I feel like I'm not guilty about trying to go out and mow the yard or have any other thing done, mm. but it's like <laughs> I don't know what it does, but it just the darkness comes in and the cold and it kind of herds everybody into like this warm place and I just picture like this cozy fire and people sitting around even though this rarely ever happens. That's my ideal situation, you know, pot of chili and people just talking and, and, you know, maybe as far as we talk about community, we need to foster that more, just have regular get togethers where people just come and, um, you know, be with one another like that. There's really something to it. I don't disagree. It's, it's a good time. And I'm personally, I'm, I'm more driven to face to face conversation than I am over social media. I have a Facebook account, but I rarely get on it. Mm-hmm. And I'd rather go talk to the person face to face than than get on a cell phone and call them or mm-hmm. text them or get on social media. And I, I don't know why. I've just always been geared that way. And that's so. another thing, isn't it? Texting is taking away the phone call, even. Yeah. Where yeah. I, I've made I, a, I don't have to talk to you. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, I made an intentional thing when I said I'm going to just call people and not text them just to hear their voice. A friend of mine did that. It was it was interesting. Well, how do you do you think vulnerability is something you get better at or I mean, how are you doing with this in your life? Are you working with this right now or practicing? Yeah, since I just, you know, kind of started thinking about yeah, yeah. this today, so it's <laughs> uh, yeah, it's something I'm going to definitely be thinking about and just finding places where I'm particularly more closed and and see about how I can opening up those areas of my life and 
being more vulnerable. Mm. Just mm-hmm. putting myself out there and letting God work through me. Mm. Corey, what do you got? Anything? No, it's good. So where where do you see uh, life taking you? Going to be? I mean, not just physically. Uh, any any new goals or plans or ambitions, Caleb? Uh, next step in life? You were telling me you've had some job changes recently. Good things yeah, happening. Yeah, I did. I uh, started working with explosives just recently. You know, I was doing flight tests before that, and it was a lot more stressful. <laughs> so I, I definitely needed a change, and I was moving more towards project management than I was, you know, doing technical work, which is why I became an engineer, because I kind of liked solving the, the problems that we could work through technically. And um, I found myself moving away from that, so I moved back towards that. But, yeah, I've been there since about June doing that kind of testing. And, um, you know, I, I like to make my own plans, but uh, that's just to give me um, something to head towards. Mm-hmm. And, you know, <laughs> I'm going to use a quote from a movie I really like. I feel like I'm just a leaf on the wind <laughs> um, because I'll make my plans. And then, you know, if God says, you know, this is the time you're going to go over here and go over here or go do this and off I go. And, you know, it's not always clear, right? It's not, I'm hearing a voice, you shall go do this. It's, you know, okay, this opportunity came up. I'll, you know, I'll throw a, an application that way or I'll go to that conversation and see what comes of it. And, you know, if things direct me that way, then off I go. Yeah. Amen. You know, and that's, that's a beautiful thing when, when we just follow what the Lord gives us, you talked about, you know, just, uh, is it taking a step closer, a step farther away when we make those smaller decisions in our life that we feel like are leading towards God in the end, that whole picture takes us towards that. I, I just thought kind of a, a quick little wrap up story was uh, the story of Ruth in the, in the Bible, you know, that whole book, it's not very long, and, and it never even really mentions God in the book. It's kind of interesting. It's about people who believe in God and what they're doing, but it's not a book of prophecy. Well, we think it isn't, but there is a, a spiritual parallel there. But the interesting thing about that book is you got two women, uh, mother-in-law and a, and a daughter-in-law, and they're, they're both kind of destitute because their husbands are gone. And the, the daughter stays with the mother, and in their journeyings, it seems on the surface to be the story of, well, she meets a man and she marries him and everything works out okay for them. But you're wondering, what does this have to do with anything? Well, in the end, there that child that this woman has marrying this other man ends up becoming one of the people who's in the lineage that becomes the who Jesus is, you know, born, born through time. And you realize if these people had not come together doing the normal things of their life— that this great huge plan i mean that was that was a piece of the puzzle a necessary piece and how important it is that whether we not like you say i didn't hear god say thou shalt do but you're following dreams and passions and you're obviously using your skill sets and you're getting confronted with challenges in life and and you know you're measuring up to them that in those things we're fulfilling god's will in putting these puzzle pieces pieces in place that that bring about destiny you know the the plan for humanity how many people do you hear say, uh, yeah, I've changed career paths. I'm now I'm working with explosives. It's a lot less stressful. <laughs> <laughs> I just, yeah, I caught that's that, like, wow. Yeah. 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 Where were you coming from, man? <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, definitely uh, a different kind of stress there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the first job was just never ending and it was one thing to the next and it was just problem after problem and having to explain that to, you know, management that worked elsewhere time after time. And, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> they're wanting certain things to happen. And it's like, well, I can't produce those. And it's, you know, it's not our fault that we're not producing these, you know, 
There's several reasons. Anyways, I get it. Long it was story. Just, it was just a funny stress, <laughs> and then you know it's now you now I can go blow <laughs> stuff up. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's a funny, it's a funny stress free. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's bringing new stress too because I'm now writing papers for conferences, so mm. that'll be interesting too. I, I typically don't like getting up in front of people, so. Well, one thing I usually ask in our stories of the saints, I'll ask you, uh, what is, when you hear this word, what, what's your answer? What is the gospel? What's it? And there's no right or wrong just to you. What does it mean? What's the gospel? Um, I guess the first thing that popped in my head is it's the word of God. It's how we live our life and how we, uh, something we can turn to, to, to help guide us along our way. Mm. Yeah. What's, uh. What's your hope for the future? Where, where's hope lie for you? Or what, what, um, yeah. <laughs> Are we talking macroscopically or microscopically? <laughs> this is involving what's, what's the future that Caleb wants? You know, it's, yeah. Um, I mean, I both. guess macroscopically, it's, you know, I hope we can all, you know, as Christians, find a common ground with each other. You know, I don't care whether we're Catholic, whether we're Assembly of God, whether we're Temple Lot whether we're Mormon, Restoration, Baptist, I don't I don't care. Let's find our commonalities and move towards God because if if we keep separating, I don't know how we're going to make it there individually, right? Mm-hmm. And and I don't think that's the way God wanted it either. And we we got to find a way to work with each other and and stop being so offended by um how other people do things and and find a way to work together. And that's that is a challenge that I couldn't even begin to fathom of how to how to solve that problem, but I, I feel it's one of the most important problems to solve. And you know, yeah, I was I was going to go down another rabbit hole, but <laughs> well, maybe we ask the wrong questions sometimes as Christians, rather than looking at our differences. I think most people would agree, like, am I becoming less self-centered today and more other-centered? Am I loving people more today than I did yesterday? Is my heart changing in that direction? Because that's the goal for all of us. And that's such a broad thing. And there's probably things you can do to bring about that change that would incorporate all of those different beliefs and faith systems. Um, That's kind of what I try to do, being out in California and and attending different churches, because I actually attend a Mormon church out there too sometimes mm-hmm. as well. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's just trying to be there as an example of, you know, I, I know you're different faith-based than I am, and I've got different understandings and you've got different understandings, but that doesn't mean that I can't be here and be a part of your group and, and try and work towards God and find a better understanding of God, you know, together and and try and work through that with each other instead of you know you're just different i'm going to go over here and do my own thing mm-hmm. yeah mm. if you had a question that you could ask god today or sit down and have lunch with jesus just he says oh, you got 30 minutes what would you what would you ask him anything oh my god yeah i know that's that's <laughs> a that's a tower of a question there that's, i know it's almost unfair um what would i ask god if i had a question Probably, what what can I change in my life to bring me closer to you? Mm-hmm. Where where am I going wrong? Show me my faults, mm-hmm. and if I'm sitting there right in front of him, I know I'm going to get an answer. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> where sometimes it's like, well, if I ask that in prayer, and I 
think of something, well, was that me thinking it? Was that God putting that in my head? Was that the devil putting that in my head? Mm, you know, gotcha. where, and then you've got to go back to scripture and does this, you know, <laughs> correlate with what I've read in scripture? And, you know, it's, it's a lot more of a struggle, but if I'm sitting there right with God, you know, Hey, where am I going wrong? How, how can I fix me? No misunderstanding. Yeah. You no, know, it's yeah, surety. Yeah. yeah. Do you like to read? I love to read. What uh, besides the devil's bait or bait the bait of Satan? The bait of Satan. What other books do you, have you read recently relating to Christianity or God or things um, like that? Anything else you recommend? There are. Um, I might have to just send you a list of them afterwards. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't know. think of them off the top of my <laughs> That's head. That's okay. Sure. That's but okay. There, there have been a few good ones that we've we've gone through in our Bible study. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I love recommended reading. You know, my problem is, like right now, I have probably literally 12 books that I've gotten started on, don't always get through. Usually, I think maybe I glean the information out. It's rare anymore that I read one from start to finish before I pick up another one, but I'm I'm, I'm a sponge for just new information yeah. like that. Yeah. I feel better then, because that's, that's me. I cannot... Is it is that part of getting older where my brain's not functioning the know. same? But I cannot sit down very rarely... And finish a book without, like you said, I've got four or five I'm reading, and mm-hmm. I do have a Kindle. Do you read anything on the Kindle? Or no, do you do I, I like having the pages. Like having the I like the pages. Yeah, I like the pages. I do. Yeah. Corey's got such a crazy book right there that is so interesting. Corey, do you have a, something highlighted out there you can just read? You <laughs> oh, sent me a scripture the other day. <laughs> tell tell Caleb what this book is. This is amazing. This is pretty cool. Well, um, the. This is just, it's the title is called The Lost Books of the Bible, and then it has a subtitle, The Forgotten Books of Eden. And um, this isn't a recent book. I know it's at least 100 years old because the way I found out about the book was I was at a, a dear friend's home, Evelyn Billings, a, a faithful uh, woman in the church, who showed me a collection of books she had. And, and her copy of this book was at least 100 years old. And it, this was something that was printed, I know, at least 400 years before that. But it's not a commentary. It's simply just a, a list of books that most of them are mentioned at different places in the Bible. They were, you know, Timothy and different people who wrote um, epistles, uh, whether it was New Testament or Old Testament times, collections of books that didn't make it into the canon of Scripture. Some of them actually were in the canon of Scripture at one point, and then whatever committee, you know, long in the Middle Ages decided okay, the books that we have, the 70 or so books that we have now, this is going to be it. There used to be more. And and I'm not talking um, Apocrypha. When Joseph Smith was talking about the Apocrypha not being inspired, that was a specific collection of books that's kind of held on to by the Catholic Church that's included in certain Bibles like the Catholic Bible. But these are additional books. And so nevertheless, in this story of, of books, um, there's a, or a collection of books. There's accounts of Adam and Eve. In some of these, it's it's just not like one source. Some of these ones, uh, these these chapters were found in Egyptian writings from at least 500 BC. You know, so so I'm saying they weren't just written like after the New Testament or someone's idea. Right. They're historically available, and and some of this uh, comes from like records of of Joseph's day. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not going to tell someone it's scripture, but I do see that so much of it rings so true that if you compare it to scripture we have, you have to ask the question, well, would Satan have written this? Because this is agreeing exactly with right. what we have here. <clears throat> now, makes sense. there are a couple places where I've seen, eh, it looks like maybe there was a little bit of some thoughts of man mixed in. And, and you know, so you, you just kind of take that. And, and as an example, there was one small chapter in a book where it was, 
some apostle I'd never heard of, or, or, or not apostle, some person of the day of the apostles, telling the people around him they really needed to consider the bishops of the church just like God. And I thought, well, that sounds like some other church. Yeah, maybe that isn't Maybe that isn't true. But um, so reading out of here, I'll, I'll just find one little for instance. Um, so in in the days of Adam and Eve, and I, this really, really spoke to me. Um, you know, we have in Genesis chapter 4 of the inspired version an account where Adam is cast out of the garden, and he's commanded to offer sacrifice. And an angel comes to him, and he asks him the question, hey, Adam, do you know why you're offering these sacrifices? And Adam's response is honest. He's vulnerable and transparent. He says, I don't know, except that God told me to offer sacrifices. And the angel explains in that moment, he said, this is in similitude, that's the word used in the Old Testament, chapter 4, Genesis or it means it's a metaphor or analogy. But this is to teach you about the sacrifice of, of the Son of God and how, you know, and the Jews know this better than anyone in the world, is that there is not forgiveness of sins unless there was the shedding of blood, you know. And this is explained to him that this is to teach you. The animals themselves are not teaching you, are, the animals themselves, rather, are not atoning for your blood. It's a symbol to teach that the atonement would come from the one who would take on flesh and blood and die for us. And so that account is in our inspired version only. Well, what's interesting to me is is this. Um, so this is from a book called the just an account of Adam and Eve. And in this chapter, and this is why I think this is interesting, because the King James doesn't have anything like this, and yet the inspired version does. There's this moment in time where now Adam experiences great remorse, and and I'm just summarizing previous chapters, insomuch that he even wants to fast 40 days and nights. It shows a knowledge of him thinking that if he does some work, that he could earn God's favor back to reenter the garden where he's been banished from. And he's and it's in explaining in detail his uh, his his remorse the the this condition of his heart to realize I'm away from God and it was so much different, so much better. And so there's this point here. Now this isn't saying he shed the blood of an animal. Adam had actually fallen or something. His his own blood. He was wounded somehow, and he saw his own blood. It was seeing his blood for the first time. This was the point. He saw that he had blood, right? Okay. And and in this account, whether or not it was the animal that he was being commanded to sacrifice, because I really believe that was true, or he saw blood, the point was he sees blood. And in this moment, this is what the scripture says. The word of uh, God came to Adam and said unto him, O Adam, as thou hast uh, shed your own blood, so will I shed my own blood when I become flesh of thy seed. And as thou didst die, O Adam, so also will I die. And as thou didst build an altar, so also will I make for thee an altar on the earth. And as thou didst offer blood upon it, so that here there was, see, here's a reference right here to the fact that he did offer blood of an animal. He's combining, Adam's talking about his own blood and the blood of an animal that he put on an altar. He said, as you've done this on this altar of earth, and as you did offer blood upon it, so also will I offer my blood upon an altar of the earth. Isn't that amazing that it states that? And he goes on and he says, and as thou did sue for forgiveness through that blood, so also will I make my blood 
forgiveness of sin and blot out thy transgressions in it. That I mean, so beautiful. Isn't that just profound? And like mm. I said, this was not written after the New Testament where people understood this idea of Jesus being the atonement. This thing I know was in Egyptian writings at least 500 BC. And so and it's, I'm like, I'm like, how if the world had that, couldn't they see and understand? That was very straightforward, though. Very straightforward and very. Yeah. Um, He's like, it's my blood that's going to atone for your sin. Yeah. You know, and it's like, wow, straight up truth. Well, I'm. We're going to go into that. That's that's an upcoming podcast where we're just going to look at some of these different. Yeah, that'd be fun. From time to time, Corey will send me one in a text, and I'm like, wow, that's. If that's not of the Lord, I don't know why the devil would want to be. But it brings about in me the same feeling as when I read the scriptures. And so, the other philosophy is the Word of God being much bigger than just this little package we carry around that He's mm-hmm. spoken through the right. ages, and we can't be afraid of that because different things are going to come forth at different times. And right. Well, hey, guys, this has been great. Caleb, thank you. Oh, thank, thank you for you. coming on here at a moment's notice and being willing to share and It was talk a good time. And, Had fun. Uh, now, you better plan on a stop at the podcast here every time you're back in town now. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, any closing remarks from any anybody else? Anything else you want to say? We, we usually close with uh, a certain word that we like to, uh, or a certain phrase that we like to say, but. Well, I'm going to say it then too. And just remember friends, we're all just here walking each other home. So treat each other in love and kindness, wherever you are. That's right. Amen. Again, Caleb, thank you. Enjoy your time with your family. Yeah, I will. Thanks. (laughs) Have some good food. Heck yeah. Good, good home cooking for mom. Lots of good food. Yeah. Mm. Until next time, God bless. Thanks, buddy.